Hello and welcome to Capital Insights, a podcast offered by the WRA to discuss key advocacy issues that are important to property owners in the real estate industry. My name is Tom Larson, Executive Vice President of the WRA, and with me today to talk about the Wisconsin State Budget is Speaker Robin Voss, who is one of the Chief Architects of the Legislature's version of the budget. Speaker Voss is from Burlington, Wisconsin in Western Racine County. He represents the 63rd Assembly District and was first elected into the State Assembly in 2004 and then elected to uh, the Speaker position by his peers in the Assembly in 2013. Robin also owns several rental properties, a popcorn factory, and a car wash. Also worth noting is that Robin has a 100% voting record on realtor issues since uh, being elected into the legislature in 2004. Speaker Voss, welcome and thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Hello, Tom. I'm happy to do it. Well, let's get started. Uh, first of all, congratulations on getting the state budget uh, finished on time. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't easy, but uh, you guys got it done. And from your perspective, what are the three most important accomplishments of the state budget for Wisconsin citizens? Well, you know, the first thing that was kind of interesting before I even talk about the, the accomplishments, was just the process that we went through. If you remember, it seems like forever ago, but back in February, Governor Evers introduced his budget virtually. First time ever a governor did not come and address the legislature. Um, he actually did it with videos and lots of fanfare because it was mostly a liberal wish list of repealing the Walker years, uh, increasing property taxes, um, getting rid of Act 10, legalizing marijuana, you know, all kinds of things that really aren't budget related or certainly shouldn't be in a budget that he knows is never going to pass. So we started the process differently than normal. We threw out the entire budget from Governor Evers and started from scratch. Uh, when I look back, that was probably the smartest decision that we could have made because Governor Evers chose to take himself out of the conversation, really zero input, zero influence. And at the end of the day, I think we were able to pass a really good budget. We did three things, um, as you had said, uh, but there's a lot more. I'll focus on the top three for me. Uh, number one, we cut property taxes. When I go door to door or when I look at the impact on real people's lives, it seems like the tax that is the most onerous for people coming up with the payment in December or January is the property tax. Uh, under give, Governor Evers' property tax, the average homeowner, I think they would have had almost a $100 property tax increase. And under the budget that we passed, you will actually see almost a $300 property tax cut over the course of the next two years. So I think that was a big positive for everybody who owns property in the state. Uh, we reduced income taxes. The second thing that we wanted to focus on was putting more money into the pockets of everybody who's working. Uh, Governor Evers actually proposed a pretty big tax increase. At the end, we put him in a corner and he had no choice in my opinion, but to sign the tax cut, even though he's trying to take credit for something he clearly had no hand in. But he does get credit for one thing and that's for five seconds signing his name on the document to actually make it law. So in Wisconsin, we will also see a pretty sizable reduction for an average family that earns around $60,000 a year, they'll see almost a $500 income tax cut. And over the course of the next couple of years, I think that's gonna really add up for families and small businesses. And then lastly, we lowered the amount of spending overall. Um, I have always been a small government conservative. There are some things that we should invest in to be able to help grow our economy. But by and large, government usually is the, the organization that gets in the way of things from happening. So in uh, the governor's budget, he proposed almost a 10% spending increase. Uh, the spending increase that we had was the smallest in a generation. Uh, the overall increase in money that we could control, which is called GPR, that's general purpose revenue, like income sales tax dollars, was about one and a half percent. So something that we should also be really proud of as we worked on lowering bonding, spending, borrowing, 
and I think really put us in a good place to succeed going forward. Well, for all those reasons, uh, this was a very good budget for uh, the real estate industry. In particular, though, that the property tax cut that you guys delivered was a uh, was a big surprise. We weren't expecting that coming in, and uh, we very much appreciate that because we know that you were one of the the primary uh, advocates for for cutting the property tax. So uh, thank you for that. And thank you also for the uh, great investment that you guys made in broadband. Uh, that was another key issue for, from the real estate industry's uh, perspective, uh, along with maintaining the levy limits that were in place. And you also made a, uh, uh, an important investment in uh, DSPS to kind of get their uh, technology interface uh, kind of in the 21st century. So, uh, but talking about property taxes and broadband, do you think these are issues that will continue to be uh, a priority in uh, budgets moving forward, at least for, for your house? Yeah, thanks, Tom. For, there's no doubt in my mind those will be priorities. I mean, they have been, as you mentioned, since I was first elected, and I think the vast majority of Republicans, if not all, understand that property taxes are one of the huge anchors on the ability of average Wisconsinites to own a home. So we've got to keep making that better. Uh, but another thing that I have to admit, I fully didn't comprehend how serious it was uh, 10 years ago when we first started talking about access to the internet. Um, it's become such a part of how we live and the pandemic more than anything else reinforced that if you don't have a good high speed internet connection, you're kind of left behind. Uh, we saw kids all across the state where they didn't have access to the internet simply because they didn't have a good broadband connection. We saw people who had to work from home uh, their business shut down. They were cut off from the workforce. The only way they could really participate was a Zoom call or some kind of a conference call using a million different technologies. I didn't even know were there uh, until this pandemic occurred. So it really has reinforced to me that every single household and every single place in Wisconsin has to have access to at least one massive um, broadband connection. Um, what's the definition of massive? What's the definition of one connection? Those are things that are intricacies that the legislature is really debating right now. We have had a pretty robust program, uh, partly funded by the federal government, partly funded by the state. Uh, this budget put $225 million more into broadband expansion, and that's on top of the billions and billions of dollars that the federal government is spending because we do want to make sure that in relatively short order, nobody's left behind. But one thing that's frustrated me, and, and I am in a place, my home actually does not have a high-speed internet. And it's ironic that many legislators are in the same boat. So unless you live in a major city, many people who don't live in the confines of a city or a village probably lack access to that high-speed broadband. So we want to do everything we can to finalize the plan to roll it all out. Uh, we passed a pretty aggressive plan earlier in the session to use federal money, unfortunately vetoed by Governor Evers. So we put it in the budget uh, and he did sign that. So that's a positive. Uh, one thing that we're going to focus on, hopefully this fall, the assembly has already passed it, but it's awaiting action in the Senate, is what the definition of unserved is. So in my mind, an unserved household is one that has no access to high-speed broadband. But current law actually says that the state money can go to both unserved and underserved. So the definition of underserved could be we only have one or two providers, we'd really like more to increase competition. And of course, as a free market conservative, I agree with that idea, but I think that we need to use the scarce resources the state has on ensuring everybody in the state has at least one connection. 
and then focus on the build out to ensure we have competition to be one, two, three, four providers. But that's something the assembly's already passed and we're awaiting action in the Senate. So hopefully that can happen too, so that the money that we have spreads out even further to get those who are listening that don't have access to reliable high-speed internet uh, quicker than it would be under the old circumstances. Uh, last question, and you mentioned that the budget was uh, filled with a number of, of your priorities. And um, one of the priorities that you've mentioned in the past and a priority of our organization is uh, workforce housing. As you know, we have a severe shortage of workforce housing that is uh, preventing employers from attracting uh, new employees to the state to fill a lot of the job openings that they have. What is uh, your uh, outlook on uh, workforce housing and uh, your thoughts on whether or not this will be a priority in the upcoming uh, fall legislative session? Yeah, it will be. And boy, this is one where the realtors deserve a lot of credit because you guys have been talking about this since well before the pandemic. Um, and so you have really done a good job of raising the profile of this topic. And I, as an employer, I see it myself. Um, we have actually had to buy some rental properties to help some of our key employees be able to find a place to live in the hometown that I love. Um, because number one, you and I know that in a lot of markets, it's really a bidding war, where if you are not in there and aggressive to buy a used house, you're really not even in the ball game. So I think that's a real challenge for people where they might be buying their first home or they wanna upgrade because they've decided to have kids or they wanna downsize because they've decided to retire or you know uh, move into a different phase in life. Uh, I also worry very much that as we are looking for new home construction, that a lot of times local governments have made it almost impossible for affordable housing to be built. They put out all kinds of requirements where if you're already living here and you don't have to pay for it, it'd be awfully nice if all your neighbors had a perfect home with everything exactly the way that you would like it if you didn't have to pay for it. And that's one of my biggest frustrations is that I don't wanna have low quality housing. I don't think anybody does. But I also want to have affordable housing where somebody can look and say, maybe I don't need to have an attached garage. Maybe I don't need to have a paved driveway on the first day that I move in. Uh, maybe I need to figure out what is working for me and my family's budget, as opposed to what some bureaucrat in a government agency in a city, village, or town decides is the ideal for what everybody else should have in the house that they live in that's not even comparable to the one that that person might already live in. So I think there's a lot of topics that we have got to talk about. It's probably not a one session solution. Um, as we see the rising cost of inputs from lumber to shingles, you know, copper wire, all of those are already driving up the cost of a home and there's very little we can do about that. But we can look at the regulatory burden, the incentives that we give, the increased costs that are mandated by well-meaning local governments that just have to change as the world is changing, or we're not gonna have the housing that's necessary to keep the economy growing like we are. So again, to the realtors who are listening and especially to your organization, the WRA, thank you for advocating for this and really putting it on our radar screen way before a lot of people around the country focused on it the way that Wisconsin has. Speaker Voss, thank you for joining us today and for your leadership on the state budget and delivering $650 million in property tax cuts to the citizens of Wisconsin. Thanks, Tom. To our listeners, please remember that advocacy is one of the most important things we do as an organization, and RPAC allows the WRA to support legislators like Speaker Voss, who support our issues like reducing property taxes and providing workforce housing. Thank you. Thank you.